Hello, my name is Babe Rogers. Welcome to Pig Talk, the podcast about all things gay porn and sex. Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty girthy topic, I would say, which is the democratization of porn and the effects that that has had on amateur porn. Um, uh, I want to say at the top of this that you boys a fucking faggot. Hey, so I don't know nothing about no straight porn, but I feel like what I can pretty definitively say is that this democratization process has happened across porn as a whole. It is not localized to just gay porn or straight porn or, you know, daddy thun porn, which is my sort of purview. This is this has really been a massive process for all of pornography. Um, so let's get into it. So I want to give at the top of this sort of a contextualizing example just to put your mind into the headspace of really thinking about how porn has changed. So um, 10 years ago, say, and I think that's probably going to be a reference of time I'm going to be touching on a lot. Ten years ago, if you went to Pornhub to yank your crank or whatever, jerk off, um, if you clicked on categories, what you would see was amateur as a category option, and then you would see two dozen other options, such as MILF and gangbang, etc., etc. And if you clicked any of those, the assumption would be that you were going to be seeing pretty much entirely studio porn as of what you could view once you click that category. If you wanted to watch amateur porn, you had to click amateur. And I think today that is so not the case. Amateur porn and studio porn are, are almost neck and neck. But back in the day, 10 years ago, studio porn was completely ubiquitous. It was like if you said the word porn, what that conjured in people's minds was studio porn. And that's let's, let's talk about that. So... I think the reasons for studio porn's prevalence really were mostly technological back in the day. Um, first and foremost, number one was camera technology. We didn't exactly have like, you know, 20 trillion megapixel cameras in our pockets that we could use at free will. Um, if you wanted to film something, you had to like either use your like potato that had phone capabilities, aka like a camera phone of 10 years ago. And that was like a level of quality that like people couldn't really even watch it. Um, or you had to own a digital camera, which was rare, and even then it was nebulous as to whether or not you could get something of a level of quality that people could, like, actually get off on it. Um, number two is that, uh, and this is, again, another technology point, there weren't a lot of site options where you could post the amateur porn that you yourself had made. And even more so, there were less site options that you could then sort of, like, benefit from that monetarily, especially. So, like, I looked up some dates, and Xtube was 2006, and that was when I started watching porn. That was sort of the ubiquitous one for amateur porn. But even then... Um, it's not like that site was specifically for amateur porn, and it's not like you could really build a following on that site. You could you could post your own porn, which again, back to number one, was probably shitty and hard to really enjoy anyways. Um, but you really couldn't like build a following and have people know who you were. You could maybe make a little bit of money, but it it was nothing like today. And then number three, and this is probably the reason that's like the least amount, but it still is important to mention, is that I think Social mores have changed a lot today. I think back in the day, there was sort of a feeling that if you did porn, you were like like a fallen angel, like, oh God, who will hire you now? Your life is ruined because you've appeared in pornography. And I think that's changed today. But um, as I just sort of mentioned with that one, all of these factors have completely 
switched today. They've become like they've gone from, as I said, in the hands of the bourgeoisie to the hands of the proletariat, a.k.a. little whores at home. Hey, y'all. Um, so like for cameras now, it's not just studios that have the technology to film pornography with a level of quality that you can enjoy it and not have to like think about the quality, if that makes sense. Ten years ago, if you made a really shitty porn with your camera flip phone or whatever, um, you couldn't not notice that the level of quality was low. Whereas today, the level of quality has like the base level of quality has risen to a point where it's not even like you don't have to think about it. You can just get off on it, which is which is new and novel to today compared to 10 years ago. With site options, obviously, we have so many more options today. We have um, Patreon, which started in 2013, which was the first to really elevate sex workers and porn performers to be able to um, commodify their own product. Um, and then obviously OnlyFans, the big mama, started in 2016, and that really created an explosion of people who had in their own hands now the ability to create porn and put it out there and monetize it to build a following. Um, and then, as I said, social mores have, have, I think, drastically changed. Obviously, they're not perfect yet. We still need to fucking legalize sex work so that it can be safe. Hello. But um, I think with the upcoming of millennials and especially Gen Z to a degree, those two generations are much, much more willing to um, see sex workers and porn performers. Porn performers, by the way, are sex workers, but um, sex workers and porn performers as real people, not solely defined by their you know, dabbling in the sex industry, um, they're much more likely to, you know, especially because, and it's sort of a self-feeding loop where, um, like, just especially because, like, Joe Schmo that you went to church with can now be making porn, and that enables you to see them as a real person, which changes your view on porn as a whole, which then makes people more likely to do porn, and it's like a snake eating its own tail kind of tea. Um and so this has all sort of led to this massive democratization of porn where people are much more willing and enabled to make porn themselves and monetize it and build a following and a career off of it. And I think it's important to mention that this democratization of pornography has kind of happened hand in hand with the democratization of celebrity, really thanks to social media sites and YouTube and things like that. Like this is sort of the Kardashian effect where it used to be, especially back in the 90s, if you were a celebrity, you were a celebrity because you did something that uh, warranted celebrating. Do you know what I mean? You were a famous athlete. You were a celebrated actor. You were a politician. You were a, what's the word, socialite. Um, and nowadays you can be famous for being famous. Like think of like fucking Zoella on YouTube in 2014. That was just like, hey guys. And then suddenly a million people knew who she was because she was just sitting in her room. Do you know what I mean? That's the democratization of celebrity where the ability to make a celebrity was put in the hands of the people. Um, and I think that process to a degree prepped and primed, it lubed us all up to be down to have just regular people suddenly becoming porn, to to see and accept that the 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 process of making porn, becoming well known for making porn, was now put in the hands of just you know once again Joe Schmo that you know from church, um, and I think that that mentally put us all in the headspace to be down for this process and to be accepting and almost to want it to happen anyways. Um, so before we get into the, the main thing I want to talk about, let's talk about some of the general benefits of this process, this democratization of pornography. Um, I think one that's really, really important for me personally is that it's it's opened this massive like floodgate 
to where nowadays there's a massive amount of body representation, a, a, a whole new swath of body types that were never seen in porn that are now in pornography, which is so, so impactful. Um, I don't, this is sort of a bummer to say, but it wasn't really honestly until I started making porn that I suddenly saw my body type in a studio pornography. Like I remember, I think it was like a Harry and Raw video, and it was the first time in my life I had ever seen someone that looked like me in porn, and I gasped. And I was sort of angry because it was a realization that I had never seen my body type in studio pornography before. And while it also, you know, obviously it made me angry, it was also sort of fulfilling and validating in a way because I realized, oh, I can be a provider of that now. I can put my body type, which if you don't know, hey guys, here I am. I don't really fit into any of the gay categorizations. I'm not really a twink or a twunk or a bear or a cub or any of that stuff. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a, a little bit later, but um, that this whole democratization process has allowed people that maybe fall through the cracks. And I think this is especially true in straight porn as well. People that have body types that are not usually represented in porn to be presented as porn objects and sexual people, which I think when it comes to body representation, you have to kind of see it first before you can really even imagine that you can do the thing that you're seeing. And so I think a lot of people probably didn't feel enabled and valid in their own kind of like sexuality in the past because they didn't see people that looked like them sort of living out their own fantasies and now it's like oh my god that person looks like me and they're being a kinky fucking pig does that mean i can be a kinky fucky pig and like you know what i mean that's 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 really been enabled by this democratization process another thing is and i, and I sort of mentioned this before that um by having this deluge of like normal people making pornography it sort of has changed the public mindset about pornography and seeing normal people's normal like uh, i i don't know how to say this like unflawed and sort of unsocietal the context like i said people used to look at porn performers as like fallen angels of just like broken individuals and now people can see you know scientists and you know people who are successful in other fields making porn too and they can see that it's not like a death sentence it changes the whole mental perception of porn and i think that's another benefit of this and then the, i think this is probably the most important is that it has opened this massive opportunity for economic improvement this economic opportunity where like like some a lot of people hey i'm one of them are keeping their fucking lights on keeping themselves warm and fed because of their ability to make their own porn and market it and put it out there and people can invest in them by watching them, you know, jerk off or whatever. I mean, there are single mothers out there who are fucking like, you know, feeding their like children by posting a titty on a Tuesday. Like that's that's a that's a completely novel new idea. And it is so cool. And especially obviously uh, this is another very important thing, especially for straight women and, you know, cis women who are putting out pornography, especially people who had been engaged in sex work before this democratization. It opens this whole new like world where sex work can be safe in a way that it's never been for them before. And I think that's another phenomenal thing when it comes to drawbacks of this. I'm probably the wrong person to ask because it sort of benefited me entirely. Uh, there were really no drawbacks for me personally in this process. And I think for your average just porn viewer, again, it's just been a good thing because like obviously it's benefiting the people that are making the porn, but it also like like there's so much new pornography and stuff that was never filmed before that is now being filmed because the studio industrial complex didn't think to make it that's something that i get a lot when with my porn of like oh my god i've been looking for something like this and i've never seen it 
But if you want like drawbacks, you probably would need to ask like the people that have been making studio porn for decades, because I think that it, in their minds, there have been some drawbacks because sort of a level of power and ubiquity has been taken out of their hands. So maybe ask like a studio exec, I suppose. No shade to those people, but I mean, like in terms of who does this hurt, maybe them to a degree. So maybe ask them. But so let's get into this other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the sort of like, quote unquote, amateur pornography and how it has changed it, because that's the main thing I want to discuss is the air quotes around amateur. What does amateur even fucking mean anymore? Um, and so let me let me say that when I sort of switched from being a porn hobbyist or whatever the fuck, like, you know, I was when I started making porn, it was truly just a form of sexual expression and um, exhibitionism, because as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I was feeling very sexually repressed in the location that I was, aka Boston, hey, pilgrims. But um, when I kind of at the beginning of the pandemic started thinking of it more as a career, I had to look around at the porn space and think, where the fuck do I fit in here? Because I had a level of imposter syndrome where I was like, I don't look like a porn star. Why am I finding more success online than people that look like porn stars? And in that process of like seeing where I fit, what I really found was this spectrum of porn where on one end, one end is studio porn and on the other end is amateur porn. And this is not a new thing. Obviously, the obvious opposite of studio porn is amateur porn. Do you know what I mean? But just because of like because of the reasons mentioned before, the just pure tonnage, the amount of studio porn that was made made it so ubiquitous that no one really thought of amateur as the equal yet opposite of studio porn. It was just sort of a niche within it. But now that's changed. Like I said, there's so much more pornography that is amateur being made that they're almost neck and neck, which makes them sound like they're competing. But that's how else would I say that in terms of amount? They're neck and neck. And so people are much more likely to just sort of see them as, as I said, equals but opposite, um, which is obviously a big change, I should mention. That's just the amount of amateur porn that's being made. That's a massive change that has been brought about by this democratization process. But in terms of um, of how it's changed amateur porn in terms of what we think of as amateur porn, it's opened up this whole realm where I've said that a lot. A lot of things have been opened up and doors have been opened and windows have been opened, whatever. Um it, this opened up this big space where now there can be a lot of stuff in between. Do you know what I mean? On that spectrum, there can be stuff that isn't one or the other. And that's really what I want to touch on. So again, going back to 10 years ago, um, hey, 2011, I'm really thinking like 2009, but I'm not going to say 12 years ago. Going back a decade ago, there were a couple like, you know, important factors where you could very clearly delineate between amateur and studio. I think the the one that's most obvious and is still true today is, uh, is it made by a studio? <laughs> like, that's the obvious one. If it was made by a studio, then it's studio porn. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But the, uh, the number two, and I think this was a very important one 10 years ago that is really not important today, is that you could look at the quality. Do you know what I mean? Studios had a much more, as I've touched on, ability to make good quality, high quality porn, whereas amateurs did not. So if something was literally looked like it had been filmed on like a potato with a lens on it, then you could pretty easily say, oh, this is amateur. I can smell it. I can see it. But number three and number four are, are really interconnected, and they're the ones that are very nebulous today, which is that uh, number three the people that were appearing in the pornography were not porn professionals. And number four, they were not usually monetarily benefiting from the porn itself. So 
even if you found like a, a an amateur porn that you really liked on Pornhub and maybe you watched it a dozen or so times, your viewership of that pornography was not monetarily or really at all benefiting the people that were in it. Do you know what I mean? Which obviously today has very much changed thanks to things I've listed before. Um, and then this is sort of like a, a, um, a an addendum, a, a um, you know, honorary mention, an honorable mention, because I didn't really want to call it number five because I don't think a decade ago it was really even thought of. But um, it used to be that if, you know, the people that you saw in studio porn had they looked like porn stars. They had studio porn bodies because there was a barrier of entry. That's what made it undemocratized. If you wanted to appear in pornography, you had to look like a porn star in order to be hired to be in porn. And so that was another moniker of like, okay, this is studio porn. If someone looked like a porn star, combined with all these other things that made it studio porn, whereas nowadays, that's not the T, and we're going to touch on that. So um, obviously, again, all of these things have changed to a degree other than the studio one. If something is made by a studio, it's studio porn pretty across the board. But like the and, and like I said, I think level of quality has sort of gone away just because the base level of quality that we expect now has risen drastically to such a degree. But when it comes to monetization and professional porn performers appearing in professional porn, that's become very nebulous. And I like to think of it as that there's like a I like to say there's Obviously, I'm one in their studio and one in there's amateur, but then there's also studio minus and amateur plus. Do you know what I mean? And if you, you know, if if it's studio porn, but like a little bit less, it's studio minus. And if it's amateur porn, but like it rises up a little bit, then it's amateur plus. And you don't see amateur plus as much, but studio minus, I think, is quite ubiquitous. And when I say that, what I mean is that there are obviously porn professionals who have done a lot of studio work who are now making their own porn at home, which is like, okay, but like, what does that make it? Because I've never done studio porn, so I make amateur porn, but those people have appeared in studio porn, but they're making amateur porn. Does that make it the same as what I'm making? Not really. Does that make it the same as like what was made 10 years ago on that potato with a lens on it? I don't think so. And again, this is not a diss to these people. I think it's perfectly valid in what they're making, but just the mental classification that we all sort of, you know, that we all use to sort of inform our viewership of that and how we feel about it and how we immerse ourselves in it is very different and very nebulous. And so that's why I call that studio minus because it's not quite amateur porn, question mark. And even more so, there's more kind of nebulousness back to body type where there are people that look like studio porn stars. They're like bodybuilders or they're built and they're really hot, but like um, it hot in a conventional way, but like they haven't done studio porn, but they're still making porn that's like at a level of like video quality that doesn't make it seem amateurish. And so it's just sort of like, is this still amateur porn? These people look like porn stars. They could be making porn studio porn if they want. Um, and this brings me to a, like an important person I want to mention, someone who's been very inspirational to me. And again, this is not a diss to them, but Damaged Bottom is is someone who is very, very, you know, a very well-known person in the amateur sphere, um, especially right towards the beginning of OnlyFans, more towards like 2018-ish, I think. But Damaged Bottom has now made the jump to making studio porn. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, Okay, does that make his quality back in the day Amateur Plus or Studio Minus? I don't really know. But the thing that it came down to me is that Damage Bottom, again, not a diss to Damage Bottom, very inspired by his work, work bitch, but he looks like a porn star. 
and he sort of always has. He is very, very hot in a conventional way. And so to me, like that makes it not amateur plus, but studio minus. And like amateur plus is the much more rare thing that you see where people with normal, regular human body types um, are, you know, using their own technology at home, but they're incorporating like plot elements and different angles and scene changes and editing and things like that, that you that are very rare and true amateur porn. That's stuff that I haven't even done. Um, And so, again, this is just sort of making things more and more nebulous. And I think as I sort of touched on, when it comes to porn viewership, there's a sort of psychoanalytical, that's not the right word, a level of psychology that is involved that impacts how we view it and how we sort of suspend our disbelief. It's something that's been touched on with my pornography a lot where because I look like a normal person, people are much more able to put themselves in my shoes. They, they can't, it's not just that they admire the aesthetic, but they can really see themselves in it. And that's why this classification process matters. And so when it comes to what I now think of as amateur versus studio, I now really, rather than thinking of that old system of classification that I mentioned, those, you know, four and a, an additional addendum point that I listed, to me, what really matters is this. And this is sort of my thesis. Everyone listen up. Um, I think that a studio porn sells aesthetic, whereas amateur porn sells reality. Um, and this was really proven to me in my brief stint as like a porn darling on on Pornhub, where I was posting um, uh, my own pornography on Pornhub, and then two clicks away, I could go and look at a studio, an illegally uploaded studio film, film uh, that was, you know, of a similar ilk, of a comparable sort of like, you know, thematic material. Um, and I could look at those comments, then I could look at my comments, and they were night and day different. So if you went and you looked at um, you know, like the studio porn of like a boy being gangbanged by daddies, all of the comments were talking about hotness. Oh my God, that bottom's so hot. That top's so hot. What's his name? Um, hot, 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 aesthetic, aesthetic, aesthetic. But then if you went and you looked at the comments on my porn, they were all sort of like people relating to what was happening. People saying, me next. That boy's so lucky. Can I have those daddies number? Um, this is my fantasy, like, uh, or even people like saying like, this has happened to me, things like that. And it was people very obviously being able to suspend their disbelief to a way and put themselves in that pornography because me and the people that I was filming with looked like them in a way that studio people do not look like them. And again, this is not a diss to studio people. Um, this is not like me, like discrediting pretty privilege or whatever the fuck, but, um, I think that there is a mental roadblock where you look at pornography and you see a fucking bodybuilder and you know, I don't look like that. I will never look like that. And so you can like, you know, see it and like be super turned on by the aesthetic of it. That doesn't make it not good, though. For some people, it does. And that's important to mention. Some people really only like amateur porn nowadays because they can really only put themselves in the shoes of amateur porn. But if you see someone who you know you'll never look like, you've never had sex with someone that looks like that, you know you'll probably never look like that, you know you almost don't even want to because you know what it takes to look like that, that puts a mental roadblock in the psychology of you investing in that pornography, whereas amateur porn can allow you to do that. And that's why I say reality versus aesthetic, aka sort of fantasy. And another aspect of this that I really want to point out is, as I have sort of circled back to several times, is this body type representation where um, what studio porn does, and this sort of goes along with aesthetic, is it fetishizes specific body types 
in a way that amateur porn as sort of just a genre does not do. Um, and this is also why I have, haven't said the words like studio porn is only hot people because that's not the case. And when I say hot, I mean conventionally attractive because there's been like, you know, studios that have been making bear porn and chub porn and, and you know, people outside of that conventionally attractive, almost bodybuilder-esque body type um, genre within studio porn for decades now. But um, when it comes to amateur porn, amateur porn is not as explicitly usually or it doesn't have to be fetishizing those body types whereas in studio porn that's still always pretty much happening even when it's not in the name so you know there's the ones where it's pretty obvious you have like bear films or you have like other ones like helix studios that is very ubiquitous for having teeny tiny little hairless sticks of boys in them and again even ones i always come back to the studio because it's sort of the one that's like the studio version of what i tend to make which is family dick even though their whole thing is um uh, is uh, faux-cest, they are still very specifically fetishizing specific body types, or even though they're they're not even going for it, they still are putting in like teeny tiny little stick figure twinks usually, maybe not as hairless as Helix, but still they are one specific body type for their boys, and then their daddies are all beefed up bully type guys. Um, and this is something that I, when it comes to Family Dick, it's funny because LeGrand Wolf, who founded Family Dick, has spoken often about how he's going for reality. But I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, m most people don't look like this. So if you're going for reality, why is this the body type that you're choosing to always represent? Um, and this is why I sort of mentioned that body type is, was sort of not a main point of classification because I don't think 10 years ago, and even in studio porn, I don't even think studio people are thinking body type they just are looking at like okay what's the hottest and that's because they're selling aesthetic they're selling fantasy they're not really thinking what really is reality which is what amateur porn is doing and so to me that's the new classification system aesthetic versus reality um but as i have mentioned that this is all because of this democratization process and so in summation I'm happy that that's happened. It's a good thing. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening today. Um, uh, uh, again, my name is Babe Rogers. If you want to look me up, you can find me on Twitter, OnlyFans, Just for Fans. You can find this podcast on Patreon if you want to support it specifically. Um, tongue pop goodbye, maybe, is my goodbye now. <coughs> goodbye, you oinky pig bitches. I don't fucking know. Thank you very much for watching and I will or listening if you want to watch Patreon. And I will see you next time. Wow. 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 Wow.